0: All right. <clears throat> Let's back up to James chapter 3 That's what the first the Beginning verse 13 And we'll read through 18 And then we'll go into chapter 4 Verse 13 of chapter 3 Who among you is wise and understanding That can show by his good behavior and deeds And the gentleness of wisdom But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. The wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. But the wisdom from above is pure, peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy, bountiful, unwavering, sincere. And the seed of those fruit is righteousness, is sown in peace by those who make peace. We're so familiar with with what Paul writes and Paul was a master at this, And I've written on uh, this page that you've got some lists that James has and, then, and what Paul had. But now we'll have to remember, the scholars tell us that James was probably the first book in the New Testament written. So maybe Paul took a page out of James's book. Sometimes we want to think it's the other way around. But... He has the unwise and the wise. Then we look at 1 Corinthians 13 where we look at love. And in Galatians 5, we look at the deeds of the flesh and the fruits of the flesh. Now, Art's talked about these for the last couple of weeks. So so that's not new. But let's look at verse 13 again. Um, Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. The theme of James has been you've got faith let me see your works. Or you do works as evident by your faith we've just simply said if you're God's child act like it now that takes all kinds of forms sometimes sometimes you know we're acting like we're saved sometimes we don't act like we're saved and to a lost person sometimes it's hard to distinguish and I've mentioned before you know a lot of times it's how we say it. Not what we say. But it's how we say it. Verse 13. Let him show his good behavior, his deeds, and the gentleness of wisdom. I read from several people, but right now, coming up on Chuck Swindoll, if you look at this second page here, this is a note after out of his journal. I'm going to let Art read the you follow along, but remember, in the gentleness of wisdom.
1: Back in the 1950s, I worked my way through school in a, med- in a machine shop. I regarded this as my personal mission field. I remember witnessing to a man who happened to be a member of a denomination vastly different from mine. Naturally, I targeted him for conversion. After all, I had a firm footing on the truth, and this guy was neck deep in error. I wasn't aware of it at the time, but I came across as a raving zealot. I had Bible verses, facts, answers, provocative questions, an entire arsenal of spiritual weapons to slaughter my opposition. And I was using everything I had. I wasn't just witnessing. The way I swung the sword of truth against infidels back then would have probably put medieval crusaders to shame. I hammered away at that misguided fellow day after day, shift after shift, relentless, merciless evangelism. Finally, he had had enough. He grabbed me by the arm, looked me in the eye, and said, Listen to me. You've convinced me by the facts that I'm wrong, but I will never change. Just as my mind was rushing up to come with a good response to such a stupid, foolish statement, he added, Because I can't stand you. Those words still sting as I think about how foolish I had been. It was like somebody throwing a rock through the window of my soul, a rock carrying a message I desperately needed to hear and would never forget. You can have all the facts on your side, but if you don't have the wisdom to know how to share those facts without assaulting a person, keep your mouth shut. I had put that co-worker down time and time again, beating him black and blue with the facts. And as a result... He couldn't stand me. I was worse than annoying. I was downright obnoxious. The great Howard Hendricks of Dallas Theological Seminary summed up that message in one of the (coughs) pithy proverbs for which he's a legend. I'm sure these words are still ringing in the ears of thousands of his former students. They won't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Those wise words reflect the kind of gentle words and deeds urged in James Mm
0: 3.13 the
1: tongue, the knowledge,
0: and the gentleness of wisdom. Okay, when they wrote our canon, our Bible, our collection, they put these chapter verses in in there, and they shouldn't have put one at the top of chapter 4, because it's a continuation of chapter 3. Because verse 16, where there's jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there is disorder in every evil. And he lists those things that we've got on, on your sheet there. These things. So picking up at verse first verse of chapter 4, he says, what is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? He's already said... <laughs> There's disorder in every evil thing. He says, Is is not the source your pleasure and the wage war in your members? Hmm. How are we supposed to act as God's children? Hold your finger, James, and go to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. This is what Jesus said we're supposed to act. Beginning in verse 21, of Matthew chapter 5. Verse 21. You have heard that the ancients were told, You shall not commit murder. Whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. Is what Jesus said. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. And whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. And whoever says you fool shall be guilty enough to go into the fire of hell. Therefore, if you're presenting a, an offering at the altar and remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go. First be reconciled with your brother. And then come and present your offering. Make friends quickly with your opponent at law while you are with him on the way so that your opponent may not hand you over to the judge. And the <coughs> judge to the officer and throw you into prison truly I say to you you will not come out of there until you pay your last cent you've heard it said you shall not commit adultery but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery in their heart that's what Jesus said Now let's look at verse 2 of chapter 4 of James. Verse 1, he says, Is not the source your pleasures that war against your men? Verse 2, You lust, and you do not have. So you commit murder. You are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You do not ask and do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. You're, you are adulterous. Don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. These 108 verses that we have in James. Brethren is mentioned 16 times and that's who he's writing to. He's not writing to a bunch of lost people. He's writing to his brothers in Christ. And he says all this jealousy and all this envious and all this um, stuff that you've got in in, in, in you. He says that's earthly. He says it's demonic. It's it's natural. And he says you have it because it's you want to please yourself. He's not really talking about the commentary he says about committing murder, but he's talking about what Jesus said, having lust in your heart or hating your brother. Jesus said you're doing the same thing as murder when you hate your brother. That's a word you need to eliminate from your vocabulary. Hate. Hate, that's that's, that's a bad word. It's a bad word. When he said here, you lust, you commit a murder, you're envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. The Ten Commandments. Buck and I just went through the 5th chapter of Deuteronomy where uh, Moses is telling the children again what the ten commandments are. And he, and he comes to the last one and he says you shall not <clears throat> cut it. Well we've kind of cleaned that up a little bit. But we do a really, really good job of comparing. Hmm. He's got something I like. We compare what we've got to somebody else and we want what they've got. <coughs> it has to do with contentment, being happy with where we are. But James goes on a little bit further. And he says, you don't have because you haven't asked. Go to 1 John. Turn to the light. Go to 1 John chapter 3. Look at verse 18. James said, you you don't have because you hadn't asked. And <clears throat> salvation, this thing happens to us. We receive the Holy Spirit within us. And He gives us gifts. And He's there. The major role of the Holy Spirit is what? Convictus of sin. (coughs) Convictus of sin. We talk about conscience. James talks about heart. You can substitute a word you want there. But look, let's read in verse 18 of chapter 3 of 1 John. Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. We know by this that we are of the truth and will assure our heart before Him. And whatever our heart condemns us, for God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence. Before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do the things that are pleasing in His sight. We've talked about sin, we've talked about the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but it doesn't take any time when I mess up for the Holy Spirit to prick me. Shame on you, Bill. You can call it my conscience, you can call it my heart, you can call it the Holy Spirit talking with me. James says that the heart, we know our heart. And the Lord knows our heart. And when we are in agreement, we don't have any problem. We don't have any problem. It's amazing to me how common sense comes into play. <laughs> A lot of times, it's just plain old common sense. We know what to do and we know what not what to do, and we need to, we need to do what we need to do. But he says if your heart and God's heart is aligned, what does the last part of that verse, or the last verse, there read? Somebody read verse twenty-two. And whatever we ask, we receive from him, because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. What did James say? James says you hadn't, you don't have because you hadn't asked. John says, when our heart and the Lord's heart are together, we ask whatever we ask, we receive from Him because He keeps His commandments and do the things that are pleasing in His sight. Look over First 1 John 5, just across the page if it's your Bible right now. 1 John 5 looking at verse 14. This is the confidence which we have before Him that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Go back to James. Look at verse 3. You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. That's what he says in verse 1. He said, The source of all these quarrels are your pleasures. Pleasures. says you you ask for the wrong motives. Verse 4 You adulteresses do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Well adulteresses it's used a lot as a metaphor. Being on unfaithful, putting putting God less than first place. Being unfaithful to the Lord. He says, Do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility for God? We've talked about that in here. That the church of the Lord Jesus. Little by little by little by little. Godfrey taught us a long time ago what one generation takes in moderation the next generation takes in excess. We've seen it happen when we'll see it happen as we go on. Sin creeps in and creeps in and creeps in. And what happens today? There's not a lot of difference between God's people and the people that are lost. Sorry go to the same places. We, Pastor, preached on that that last Sunday about being salt and light. Now we get to verse five. Uh, (laughs) Pat, you got your, you got a study Bible. What does it say? Oh, oh, you got your little. Who's got it? Uh, a study bible. You you got you got an NIV study Bible? I do. That's close enough. I think King James. Oh. Okay. Read what verse five says in there about it. <clears throat> do
1: you think that the scripture says in vain the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealousy? What's your
0: note say?
1: The consistent message in the New Testament is that God's grace is available for His people's deepest needs. The same okay. grace that brings a believer into fellowship with God can sustain that fellowship, in spite of the pressures of the world. What does your say? Um, the words, the Spirit He caused to live in us, alludes to God's creation of Adam. Because of the fall, a person's spirit envies intensely, but God's grace is able to overcome human envy.
0: Okay. Huh amazing commentators we don't know what that means and most bible commentary says they don't have a clue what James is quoting here so we're going to skip chapter to 5 by verse 5 <laughs> if they don't know I don't know okay? he says it may be a reference to Exodus 25 yeah maybe it may be but they don't know most scripture says they don't have an idea what James had in mind at that time so let's look at verse 6 but he gives a greater grace therefore it says God is opposed to the proud but gives grace to the humble in scripture there are over 22 references of this particular thing 22 references that God said he's opposed to the proud but gives grace to the humble what did he say about pride
1: God opposes it and it
0: goes before fall you get arrogant and you get prideful, that's not where God wants you to be. And he says, I'm opposed to that, but I give grace to the humble. Therefore, now, in the first part of these first four, he he thinks, he talks about things to avoid and, and it's your pleasures that's causing all this problem and you're not asking with the right motive and so forth. But James comes back now in verse 6. He says, let me give you some positives how to overcome this proudness. Verse 7. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Verse 8. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, your sinner, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable, And mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy into gloom. He says you're laughing about some serious (laughs) stuff. And you need to bring that under repentance and you need to turn it into mourning and into gloom. Verse 10. Humble yourself in the presence of the Lord and he will exalt you. I don't know if I can do this in the amount of time that we've got left. I grew up in a Southern Baptist church. I graduated high school. I was out of high school 17 days. And I enrolled at Laterna, a long way from home for me. Didn't know so. Didn't know so. The guy across the hall, who is still my friend today, said, "Bill, uh, I'm going to church. You want to go with me? Sure." I didn't have anything else to do. I didn't know anybody. <clears throat> he says, uh, "By the way, he said I'm going to go pick up a girl. Do you mind?" If that's okay with you, I said, sure, we're going to pick up some more. <laughs> <laughs> that very first Sunday, I was wrong you. I met Beth. <clears throat> it was a lot of water under the bridge before we got to where we were. But anyway, <clears throat> I went to that little church. And I grew up in a church. And I heard preaching that... That jarred me. The next Sunday morning, I had already promised that I'd go to a different church, so I let go, Ralph. I wouldn't go. But that Sunday night, he said, Come on, go again. So I did. And for the second time, I heard this preaching that I had never heard before. So the next Sunday morning, I was at this church. I've been under conviction two Sundays and now this third Sunday and I had to do one of two things I had to get right with the Lord or I had to get out for the first time in my life my young life I bowed the knee at an altar in a Baptist church you didn't do that at home you didn't do that. I, one reason we're talking about our prayer meeting, we want you to come and pray anyway. way you but if you want to kneel, I want you to kneel. I said, Lord, I know what's going on, but you take over this boy and do what you want to. And I have not been the same since. And that's what, that's what James is talking about here. He comes back to the place uh, and he says, uh, cleanse your hands, purify your hearts more than we. If you're happy with the status quo in your life and you're not where you need to be with the Lord, you need to do business with Him somewhere. Get off by yourself with your Bible and say, Lord, I want to be the man or the woman that you want me to be. I don't want to be proud. I want to be humble. I want you to work in my life. And when that happens, it all lines up. (coughs) As we go on through this life, a lot of times prayer is the last thing we go to, which is the first thing we need to go to. The first thing we need to do is pray. And then reach for the aspirin bottle or whatever it is. But more times than not, we try to do it all on our own, and then, with the last resort, we says, "Lord, I need you." <clears throat> Lord, I need you. Well, we're gonna finish chapter four next week, and uh, then we'll have a couple of lessons in chapter four. And we're headed when we get through with with James. We'll go to 1st uh, Acts, which is the history book of the New Testament. I like that. So we'll, we'll, we'll go from there. Basically. Okay. Pim? Yeah. This is Mr. Johnson. Thank you, Chris Davis. Thank you, Broadmill. You must be working. The word says the home bar sales. That's the part of bowing down before you, Lord, and seeing what you have for us. Lord, I pray that each and every one of us, would humble ourselves, bow down before you and seek your face and glorify your name, Father. So I pray that you bless each and every one here today, Lord. I pray that you give them wisdom. Give us all good weekend at work and whatever we do, Lord. Give us all our sins. Amen. Thank you. Bill, my note in my Bible, my note in my Bible says the Holy Spirit was jealous. He wanted all the attention.